This is a Bergen Film Club podcast. I love that I get an option to just leave the meeting. Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, thank you. I will not be recorded without a <laughs> lawyer present. Like an old movie, moved from frame, I am floating. Looking for someone to blame Won't you project me on the walls of your heart I'm waiting for the real thing to start Hello and welcome to The Real Thing I'm your host, Joe Lawrence, and once again, just diving straight in, I'm joined by Real Thing BFK alumni, <laughs> Carolina Trombeck. Hello. Hello, back again. Back at it again. You were just here with... last week. Yeah. Mm. Here I am with another gay film. Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah. Mm. The gay agenda is being pushed. Oh, it It is. <laughs> Uh, so this podcast is an extension of Bergen Film Club, of which we are both board members, and it serves as an extension of the program that BFK cultivates for everyone every semester. So we're going to be exploring exciting themes and all the cool things about all these amazing films that we've chosen this semester. We have a very exciting film uh, this time. Well, every time it's exciting, but this one is particularly exciting because it's the oldest film that we've ever done. On the podcast, we're going 104 years into the past. Um, yeah. But before we dive in, I wanted to start in the way that we always start with some recommendations. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, what do I have to recommend? Uh, I watched E.T. There we go. That's, yeah. I watched E.T. Um because it was my birthday recently. Happy and birthday. Thank you. My sister bought me a like a bucket list movie poster. The thing where you like scratch them scratch them off. Oh, those are fun. Yeah. And it's funny because I feel like to the average film dude, they've mm-hmm. probably seen all of these films and I have seen probably about like five percent of this entire thing because i never watched like uh the kino boy films i've never seen fight club me neither and i i wanted it to stay that way but i guess i won't um (laughs) but one of the six steven spielberg films on this poster (laughs) is et and it just happened to be on the television the other day and i watched it with my sister and my mom and it's great i hadn't seen it in so long but yeah, Steven Spielberg really was that girl in the 80s and 90s. <laughs> he, that film is so good. I was like sobbing at the end. That's <laughs> Yeah. I haven't seen it in like forever. I can only remember The Wrinkly Finger. That is the only reflection oh. I have of E.T. E.T. is so freaking cute. He is. He is. And Drew Barrymore is so cute in the film. It's like just 
really great child acting. So it's like clear that Steven Spielberg really has like a handle on making kids act well and choosing good kids. Which because like children in films can make it really painful sometimes. Yeah. Um, but no, I watched ET and it was fantastic. So I guess that's my film recommendation is uh is ET. Yeah. If you haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it, watch it again. I I mean yeah. I pro- probably haven't seen it in over ten years. Ding ding ding. I remember. I'm watching Ugly Betty. And Fun. yeah, it is I love like the kind of Americanized telenovela mm-hmm. because it is I just think it's great television. The it's so camp and so stupid. <laughs> it's so funny and I just love that it's like really not trying to take itself seriously at all. Mm-hmm. And but in that way it becomes like really really enjoyable to watch and so heartwarming you just fall in love with all the characters even the horrible ones <laughs> like people die people get shot uh yeah, yeah I, like i think the only other kind of americanized telenovela that i've seen is jane the virgin and i loved that so i haven't much. seen it i've only oh seen God. like clips of like this one dude dying of a heart attack and i was like well what's happening here or like some yeah. heart failure it's, it's like it's just huge drama and really heartwarming it's so fucking good and american ferrera star of the new barbie movie is obviously betty yeah. ugly betty herself and she is so fantastic it's just such a great show and it's like kind of dated yeah mm-hmm. there are some jokes in there that maybe i'm like Maybe uh maybe that's not cool. But uh for example, one of the one of the characters in the later part of season one is transgender. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of like slay in the sense that like by and large, she just exists as a transgender woman. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. But then there were also a lot of jokes made at her expense. Exactly. Yeah, that's kind of there's a yeah. fine line here. <laughs> but uh yeah put me on a cross i laugh at them sometimes i'm sorry but <laughs> how dare you <laughs> damn it but i think that's it for me do you have any good yeah. recommendations i have been working so much i haven't really had time to watch a lot of films um but i did watch this really cool like seven minute short horror film on youtube Mm. And it's called Portrait of God. I want to see this. It is freaky. <laughs> it's uh, it's like an art student. I think she is an art student. She's also a Christian, and then she like has a presentation about. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, oh, she has a presentation about this picture called portrait of god and okay. it's like some people see something while other people it's like it's entirely black and can't see anything and she sees like entirely black she can't see anything and then suddenly she does and it's Ooh. just this very disturbing and eerie like ah, oh, it's so good and it's one of those there isn't really any jump scares in it it's just so creepy the tension is yeah. so good yeah Ooh. Yeah, so, right. It's it's on my YouTube watch list. I can't yeah. wait. Really good. 
Mm. My letterbox review was like, if this is how God looks like, maybe hell ain't that that bad. Because, <laughs> oh yeah, I also read a book. Whoa, <gasps> my have... God! They still have those. They do. <laughs> uh, it's called A Certain Hunger. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember the author right now, but it's really cool. It's like about a food critic, and we kind of read things from her like telling about her life or her adult life and i was like oh she's just gonna be a little bit crazy a little bit like not like psychotic psychotic but kind of psychotic and then suddenly it's like and then i ate his liver it's like oh nice oh cool damn that's cool <laughs> that's where we're going but yeah it was really good and disturbing yeah. mostly good what was that called a certain hunger awesome I'll have to check mm -hmm. that out. Yeah, I'm current. I'm famously currently reading the Twilight series. Oh, I love yeah. it for the first time. Amazing. Yeah, I'm just I'm just finishing New Moon. Uh, but I love it honestly. I think <laughs> it's really it's like so much better than I expected. <laughs> I thought it was going to be trash. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty decent. I remember reading them as a teenager. Yeah. I like them. Well, oh. as a 25-year-old adult, I can say that they hold up. They probably do. Now, why don't we talk about this film that you chose for the program? I did. Would you care to introduce it? Uh, I can try. Yes. <laughs> so, um, different from the others is a queer film from 1919 which is insane mm -hmm. uh, and in the film we meet this very famous musician who eventually takes in a student a little bit scandalous potential age gap I'm not gonna lie um, mm -hmm. but yeah he falls in love with the student who is a man if you didn't understand that <laughs> what <laughs> my god uh, and um, the student falls in love with him and they have a relationship uh, but they get caught and um, the musician keeps getting blackmailed uh, um, and eventually he is caught for being gay and sent to prison for being gay mm -hmm. and the film kind of ends on a note to remove what is paragraph 175 which is the paragraph in Germany that made it illegal to be gay. So that's kind of like they wanted for people to be able to be gay. Yeah. Yeah. And that is kind of the plot of the film. Um, it's not like a huge, very difficult plot, but it, the history behind the film is kind of what drew me to watching it and wanting to show it at DevCon because it's mm -hmm. such an interesting history. One being that it's a queer film from 1919, <laughs> which yeah. is, yeah, that, that is just huge in my opinion. And just the story that we will never be able to watch the whole film uh, because the Nazis found it and didn't like it so they burnt most of the reels so but someone has been able to kind of put together what was left 
and restore it and made it like watchable and understandable, which I think is really cool. Yeah. I think I read that they had screened it somewhere else. They'd done like a special screening around the time and then that's the reel that they used to reconstruct as much of the film as they as they could. But yeah, so... it's just like I had never heard of this before. I was wondering where you heard about it. Is it just <laughs> being in the in the queer atmosphere you hear these things? No, a mutual of mine on Tumblr. Shared oh a gift set. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which it was random, but at least I found it. <laughs> yeah, in like 2015. Or are you still no, an active Tumblr user? I am a Tumblr girl. <laughs> okay, interesting. Learning new I things about Carolina. Love Tumblr. <laughs> yeah, I see that for you. <laughs> thank you but yeah no i found it on tumblr and then i read more about it and i was like oh this is interesting mm. but never thought i would be able to watch it until i found a link somewhere online and uh now we have the rights to show it in the cinema yeah it's good it's so exciting and cool to be able to to do that and give like honor to this really amazing piece of film yeah um yeah well you sort of went through the plot and synopsis there but there are some really like when you read some of the the quotes and like obviously the theme is very kind of forward thinking for the time but some of the oh, quotes yeah. of the film are like so powerful and it discusses things like spoilers suicide and mm -hmm. like not committing suicide like really it's just like really powerful stuff on some of the clips that i've seen it's it's kind of for so many reasons and saying that it was made in 1919 yeah yeah uh especially i kind of like contextualize it a little bit so this was post world war one germany where everything sucked big <laughs> bad time for all of the germans they were being sued like mad by all of the other nations following like the treaty of versailles i think so it just was a bad time to be in Germany. They were suffering with like a lot of food shortages, shortages of everything. And there was like famously hyperinflation saying it was like hundreds of pounds to buy a piece of bread. A lot of, a lot of uh, political strife. It was like the mm -hmm. Weimar Republic. No one really liked them. Um, but uniquely, which is super interesting at that time, there was no explicit law limiting what could be shown in cinema, which is like how this film was able to even be allowed to be made, mm -hmm. which is crazy. We have so many yeah. censorship laws. And Weimar Republic Germany was like, yeah, no, we don't have to deal with that until this film came out. And they were like, no, 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 no. Mm -mm. not the Actually, not the gay agenda here no um yeah so it's just very i just like learning all about it and stuff that i was reading it being like the first pro gay in the f gay film in the world is just it's crazy and it's yeah cool. yeah
Um, so this film was directed by Richard Oswald, who was a Austrian filmmaker, I believe, uh, and was living in Germany at this time. I think he also made an adaptation of Per Gint. That's how you say it. I don't know about the adaptation, but yeah, he made it also in 1919. Um, There wasn't like so much information really available about this guy, which was kind of a shame, but I I know that he was strict and (laughs) which is kind of also cool that he would risk his kind of reputation in a way to be kind of the figurehead of this film in a way. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Um, Pretty ballsy at that time to just yeah. He made between nineteen fourteen and nineteen forty nine. He made about like a hundred films, or more than that, as a director or as a writer, which is very many films. Consider and he was making films. He was uh, Jewish, mm-hmm. so he was exiled during World War Two. Luckily, didn't get killed. Um, and he was still making films through this uh this period. Very dedicated guy, I guess. I want to say slave, but it feels so wrong to say it now. But... It does feel slave. I was going to talk about slave later, actually. That's one of my points, <laughs> is that we can talk nice. about slave later. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but the guy who I kind of wanted to focus on is kind of like big part of the film, because obviously the production of the film is so, like, the lead up to it being made there wasn't like a huge amount of information about like the actual kind of pre-production i know that they they wrote it together so he's called magnus hirschfeld and uh he was the writer of the film alongside richard oswald the director uh but from all i understood they just kind of it was uh richard oswald's idea to make the film and then he got magnus to come write the film and work on it with him. But if uh, if I was Richard Oswald, I would also choose Magnus Hirschfeld because he is an absolute legend. I've so enjoyed <laughs> learning about this man. I'm so excited to hear about this. So he was born in 1868 and he was a German physician, kind of like mm-hmm. fake doctor and also extreme fake doctor because he was a sexologist, which <laughs> just meant that he like... Yeah, studied the sexual nature of humans. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, He was, like, very well educated. He studied, like, philosophy, philology, philology, and medicine. And he was also, his entire life, he was really an outspoken advocate for all sexual minorities. Um. He was part of one of the first committees to carry out advocacy for homosexual and transgender rights in the beginning of the 20th century. Like, there's a, a thing that I'll... Like, later in his life, basically, he, as a doctor, would write transgender men and women kind of like fake ID... Not fake, but like not accepted ID cards that mm-hmm. they could pass off to say that they were the gender that they identified of. That is very cool. Yeah, wow. in in 1920. Damn. Yeah, like changing people's birth certificates and stuff so they could live as how they wanted to. 
Um, but he was a gay man and was very openly gay, actually. He was like not uh, trying to hide it at all. And funnily enough, people didn't seem too bad about it, which I thought was pretty interesting. Like kind of in the academic circles, people weren't so mm-hmm. mad. It was the only time that he was like involved with politics and stuff. He, um, then people were mad, obviously. Um, but he kind of began his career um, mainly as a sexologist. And I guess he did some shady stuff. Everyone did shady stuff in the 20th century. Essentially, he studied sexuality in human zoos. In what? Human zoos. Oh. Yeah. So essentially, it was taking people from Germany's colonies and putting them into zoos. And then he studied their sexual habits. Interesting. (laughs) But if we can just... uh, That's obviously very terrible. Um, (laughs) But he was like, okay, so people are gay in New Guinea. People are gay in Germany. Mm -hmm. Maybe being gay is normal. And not some sort of like perversion. He was like... um, there's this really gross thing that he did about lesbianism, basically, and I'm sure you can try and figure out what this is. Basically comparing lesbianism between German women and African women and just being like, there's no physiological difference in these women and they are still lesbian. So he, basically a lot of his studies mm-hmm. were about saying that being gay is just as normal as being straight in a way interesting yeah which is super legendary he was also part of uh a league for the protection of mothers because he said uh that he understood that the plight of women was very similar to the plight of queer people Mm -hmm. both that they are marginalized and looked down upon unfortunately um so he was like fighting for all of this his entire life and uh yeah it just like the whole his whole life just really fighting for and totally unafraid of any consequence just like fighting for the gay agenda his entire life and then being involved in this film as well he yeah just wanted to kind of push his agenda even further through his writing of the film because i understood that he wrote like a lot of the screenplay so a lot of the like really beautiful lines from this film and especially this because he focused a lot on suicide in his work as well so kind of Mm -hmm. discussing that he even noticed in the beginning of the 20th century that gay men and gay women are far more likely to commit suicide for example Mm -hmm. and he that was a trend that he noticed a hundred more than a hundred years ago um but he didn't do like so many films i think he then he wrote some books and then he went to America and he was straight for a little bit. Oh. And then he was exiled during World War II. And then he just went and vibed in France. With his partner, who he was with for like 40 years. That is nice. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so nice to hear about this, like, very, yeah, very openly queer people from so long ago. Because it... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels so. Yeah, it's just insane 
that's all I can describe it as. It's like, you're, yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot to just come out today and say you are queer and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. it's a lot more accepted now than like over a hundred years ago. You still when do it was that. Illegal. Yeah, literally yeah. illegal. And you are yeah. still openly gay. That is very cool to hear mm-hmm. about. But for like for the because I like I guess this film didn't reach huge crowds, I suppose. But I from what I understood, a lot of people in Germany and also Ukraine and other kind of nearby countries. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know geography. Please don't ask me. Mm-hmm. Um they did see it and like just how this is what we were gonna come to talk about is like how amazing and powerful queer stories in media can be mm-hmm. in helping people sort of identify and see themselves and help them realize who they are and like yeah. that it all, all i guess all began with this film it it did yeah so if you're comfortable talking about own personal experiences and getting vulnerable on the podcast but- <laughs> I'm not, but let's go. Let's go. Let's get uncomfortable. Ah, <laughs> oh, wonderful. <laughs> I was going to say, like, from my perspective, like, queer media was, like, the thing that made me kind of, I like, basically realize that I was mm-hmm. gay. Because I fully had no clue when I was a kid. <laughs> I was just vibing. I knew this is fun. I knew that I didn't like kissing my girlfriend. <laughs> I knew that it felt wrong. and But I was just like, well, everyone hates kissing, surely. Um, <laughs> but I had no idea. Like, I was just I was just hanging out. I was just being a kid. And then as I got a bit older, I guess, then I stopped having girlfriends, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But I had no gay friends. I would say that the, not the school environment that I grew up in was very homophobic. So... I was like, you know, people, kids be horrible. Kids, kids are nasty, <laughs> disgusting, oh, yeah. dirty, mean, lecherous. So no one can be kind of, it felt like there was no queer space. And I, I had one friend who came out and then he immediately left school because everyone was so mean to him. Awful. Um, but yeah, it was like the environment that I was in was so suppressive. Like I said, I didn't have any gay friends. I didn't know any gay people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like wasn't really on my mind, but then now we can get into the super embarrassing realization moment that I had and the importance yes. of queer media in my life. I had I got an iPad for my birthday oh. when I was like sixteen, and I was like, hell yeah! Now I can watch whatever I want without my parents like watching over my shoulder. Um, and the first thing that I started to watch because I was trying, I had like a goal to make myself not as afraid of, of horror because I was so scared when I was a kid, like terrified. <laughs> and I would watch American Horror Story and I would like pause it and take a lap of my room because I was so, I was like, okay, I need to like, I need to decompress from what I just watched. Really? Yeah. I thought it was so scary. Yeah. Anywho. <laughs> Then enters the storyline of the main girl character and Tysa Farmiga and Evan Peters' character and their storyline. And I, it wasn't 
really that season, season one, I was kind of watching that dynamic and I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, Tate did kill all those people, but I would forgive him. And I was like, why would I forgive him? Because he kills <laughs> like six people in a school shooting. That's really he, bad. He raped her mom. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I was like, I could forgive him. I could change him. Um, I could exactly. I could. But yeah. then, you know, finish season one. Great show. I turn to season two, mm -hmm. episode one, and Evan Peters shows up as like a loving husband and he like looks super <laughs> like built and yeah. handsome. And I was like, okay, something mysterious <laughs> is happening. <laughs> there, I guess it's not necessarily queer, but like there is so like it is a really like kind of campy show in a way. And it's a made by a gay man, Ryan Murphy, however much we have come to loathe him. He did make some pretty good gay shit. Yeah, he did. Yeah. But for me, but then after that, I was like, oh, okay, so like gay is a thing. <laughs> and then I kind of went into watching kind of gay films in a way mm -hmm. and kind of found that to be really formative and eventually led to me like feeling comfortable to just realize to myself that that was the case. So the film in particular that I know that I watched and I was like yes was the way he looks which yeah, I love that film yeah yeah it's oh it's so good yeah so it's a story it's a Brazilian film coming of age kind of vibe of a, a blind high school student basically kind of building a relationship and falling in love with a, another student in his class and it's just like so it's so like beautifully done and I feel really like thankful and stuff that films like that can exist. Like something that, mm -hmm. and this is like kind of contradictory because I hate Heartstopper, but like that it can show. Uh... No, no, oh, you're. This is gonna be awful when I talk about some of my experiences. That's fine. Yeah, we can talk about. It. But like, I was just, I felt glad that I could see something that I really saw in myself because you know like it's 17 and I'm not a particularly like promiscuous outgoing high camp effeminate man <laughs> I'm just like vibing being 17 and it was like really beautiful to see this kind of like essentially exactly the same way that a straight movie would play out but with mm -hmm. gay people and I was like oh like that kind of love exists and I've never seen that before and it was uh it was really cool and I watched, then, then you know, the LGBT section on Netflix became my best friend. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. God's Own Country. That was another one. That's a really good, uh, an English film that's set in Yorkshire about a depressed farmer who falls in love with another farmer. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But I was wondering... If you could talk about, because I mean, obviously we've already spoken about American Horror Story, but I understand that was also maybe slightly formative for you as well. But I would be interested just to hear what kind of queer film and stuff that you felt resonated with you when you were growing up. Yeah, I think it, I think I kind of realized I wasn't straight or what felt at the time I wasn't normal <laughs> mm. when I was like 11, 12 years old. Okay. 
and uh, it was weird. I just I can't really pinpoint why I felt that way, but it was just something wasn't completely right. <laughs> uh, mm. or not right, but it didn't feel like I was like everyone else when it came to falling in love with boys. I was boy crazy, and I still am boy crazy in a way. <laughs> <laughs> just, just saying. But suddenly it was like. Oh wait, girls are pretty cool as well. <laughs> mm. Um and uh but yeah, I was kinda and still am when I was younger, I loved to stay home and watch movies and TV shows. Like... And uh I watched American Horror Story. Yeah. Like you. Mm-hmm. I saw Sarah Paulson and I was like, Oh, she is very pretty. I wish I was her. Mm. And it kind of starts like this, like, oh, I wish I was her. She's so gorgeous yeah. and pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I kept watching American Horror Story, and then I discovered a different show, Teen Wolf. I love Teen Wolf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and suddenly we are introduced to Styles, who is my favorite character ever. He's so funny and so cute. And I was like, oh, he is very cute. I was cr- he was like my my crush at a time. And then suddenly I realized, like, wait, Lydia. <laughs> is also very pretty and then suddenly i got this wait i don't know if i want to be lydia and be with styles or if i want to be styles and be with lydia so it's kind of like a very confusing like what is it that i'm feeling and that's kind of when i noticed that there was girls in my school that i thought were were pretty and i like to hug them (laughs) Mm-hmm. And kind of be close to them, and then it was like, oh, I, I guess I'm bisexual. But it took yeah. me a really long time to tell my parents. Mm. Like I told them last year. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, but yeah, I kind of told some of my friends in Bergen earlier and talked about it. But I was mm. so scared to tell my family, like awfully mm. scared. Yeah. Um. But I was still like enjoying queer media. I was talking about these really great queer films with my parents, but I never told them like I I I'm bi. I just couldn't do it. They got it, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what kind of inspired me to come up to them was Heartstopper. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But um, kind of the reason being was um, in season one of the show, when Nick comes out as bisexual, I didn't know he was bisexual. Mm. Uh, But there is a scene where he comes out and tells his mother, and I cried so hard. And just thought that first thing is like, where have this TV show been all my life? If I had that when I was... 14 yeah i would have been so much more comfortable with myself and i kind of envy these young queer people who can get these shows to kind of like here is a cringy show it's it's cringy i i admit that (laughs) but it's like it's it's queer it is two men it is it's just and one of them is bisexual, which I've been craving to see a bisexual character that is kind of a main character. 
and yeah. that just yeah I cried and cried and cried and just felt like it's just kind of shows for me how important it is with queer media because it kind of gets these emotions going and mm, definitely then feeling like okay I, I can tell my parents I can do it I was kind of getting ready for it and then I went to a Harry Styles concert <laughs> Like, and he surprised us with the uh, what is uh, uh, like nicknamed the, the bisexual anthem of his. He wasn't gonna medicine. sing it; he just randomly did it. <clears throat> oh yeah! But what did he say? <laughs> medicine. Yes, medicine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that just happened all of a sudden. I was like, if this is a sign, <laughs> like this <laughs> must be sign. a sign. Yeah, this is the bisexual sign. And then a week mm. later, I came out to my parents. Wow. Um, but yeah, I definitely missed out on a lot of queer films. I, I watched some, but I I still felt like I could relate, but not really, <laughs> if that makes oh, yeah, sense. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of like, that's kind of how I feel about Heartstopper because I understand it's like, yeah. I'm like, that's such a beautiful story that you told. Like, I'm so glad that you were able to watch that and feel that emotion and identify that and then move forward with your life like that's incredible and lovely and I'm very happy for you and I love you thank you um um but for me it's like it feels unrealistic because it's in England and English high schools are horrible (laughs) so I'm like this will never happen I'm sorry I mean Charlie gets beat up kind of yeah I think I've just jaded but I think that's the I mean, it's story. it's fair. I I get the criticism for <laughs> supper. I totally do, mm. uh, but I think it's just it's so nice to see this quin- mm, cringe go. And I've seen this story so many times, but with straight people, mm-hmm, yeah. And I'm finally getting like the the gays in the gay agenda. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And being queer people allowed to be in a cringe film. Yeah. A cringe romantic film is so nice and it's so important, I think, especially for younger people. Um, yeah. 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 Just, yeah. Like, just showing kind of real people be real. Yeah. And it no, like, sort of, I mean, obviously, the sort of, like, coming out storylines, but it's also just kind of like, oh, this is why you need to watch Doctor Who. Uh, like, <laughs> gay and queer people just, like, being gay and queer yeah like no it's like there's a character in Doctor Who in the first two seasons who just he just like he just is bisexual and that is like period the end they're like he's flirting with Billy Piper and then the rest of the episode he flirts with the doctor and then he goes back to flirting with Billy Piper and it's just like no question asked and I think that's like really important like Oh yeah. Also, I guess a really specific kind of issue as well that like a lot of gay media is like we've just listed like personal kind of like the the way he looks is like just a lovely like sure there's there's mm-hmm. like bullying and stuff but that's real but the the love and the storyline is just like queer love period at the yeah. end but a lot of gay stories are like and then he died very yes. horribly <laughs> of AIDS over a seven month period. Yeah, or yeah. he left to be with a woman. Yeah, like 
and that is like you know that is definitely a narrative of a lot of not a lot but like of some people that's the story that they live and i guess it, it's equally as important to kind of show the reality that some queer people face but then again i feel like it's like it doesn't all need to be terrible like that doesn't need to be the lens in which we see the queer scope because like like i said people be gay and people just exist and do things and go to the store yeah and it's just the same as straight people yeah it's it's kind of because they're better oh 100 yeah. <laughs> percent uh i watched my first summer last year which is a uh, queer film as one as well but lesbians so two girls uh also a kind of coming of age and it's just it's it's so nice and just sweet and everything but at the same time it's kind of sad at the end and i'm i just want a lesbian film that's not sad at the end <laughs> it's uh yeah. it's almost like difficult to find queer films that isn't sad in the end and that's why i'm so thankful for things like heart suffer as well to be able yeah. to be like you can still have a happy ending if you're with the same sex partner or mm-hmm. y- you can still be happy and not die a horrible death <laughs> yeah Yeah, boo. <laughs> okay, I said that we could talk about Slay to kind of like wrap it up. Because I say Slay all the time. And it's apparently annoyed a few people before. And people misunderstand what I mean all the time. And it's very hard for me not to say it because I say it all the time. And I wish that I didn't, but I do. But it's kind of, if you think about it, it's the legacy of different from the others that allows us to say Slay. Truly is. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like, just to kind of sum that up a go, uh, I guess, like, I guess we saw if you're saying like similar experience of not really having a lot of queer people around us and really finding that through media and stuff. But then mm-hmm. as I kind of like cultivated that interest in, in queer media and watching stuff, then I could kind of go outside myself, find other people who watched it. And now I feel like, I feel like very proud to say that I'm gay and do gay shit. And <laughs> I just like, it just, you feel like much more affirmed and comfortable in yourself once you've okay. seen that kind of thing. For me, it was really RuPaul Drag Race that really like affirmed me as a gay person. For some reason, I was just like, this is so, this is right. <laughs> this is it. And Call Me By Your Name, we talked about that one last, last episode as well. Yeah. And this film as well, it's just like, even though it's very tragic. And, but it's like, it's representative of the time. As, oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 And the same with like Brokeback Mountain. Very like. I have not seen it, but it is on my poster. No. <laughs> You have to see it. Yeah. It's on my poster. I'll watch it eventually. Oh, please do. Yeah. I just started crying again recently. So I'm like worried about how much I might cry. Because I like I sobbed at ET. And I feel like oh, I, I, I also I totally get what you mean with I started crying again recently. Because that yeah. is a big move. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
same. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. a good one. But yeah, I just, great, great choice. Great choices. Because is this all of your films for the semester? Was Call Me By Your Name and different from the others? Uh, I didn't really pick Call Me By Your Name. I was just handed to them oh, yeah. because they trusted me with it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I have wanted to um, show Call Me By Your Name because it's, it's very good. Yeah. Uh, but the whole army hammer thing kind of didn't feel right but anyway <laughs> um he was exonerated it's okay oh <laughs> uh, it's fine you also think it's hot so it's all good <laughs> i do god yeah <laughs> but you know i am really proud that i got different from the others on yeah, the program that's amazing i i'm so excited to see it on a big screen and it's like it's not gonna be the the best film you you will ever see i that's kind of not the point the point is the history and being able to be like hey yeah look at this i never heard about this before did you have you heard about this yeah, film no. this gay film from 1919 it's yeah no it's yeah it's amazing it's so important and i'm very proud that the film club is is showing it <laughs> Uh, so, if you're listening, if you're if you're listening, <laughs> hello. If you made hello. it all the way through, <laughs> hello. Um, go see it. It's on September 10th. This episode is out the week off. I think it's on the Monday, and you can see it at Bergen Film Club this Sunday. It's yes. like we're in the future. It is. Also, if you if you hear this, uh, comment gay on the different from the others instagram post on yeah oh my god yeah. instagram please just or i want to be gay is slay gay is slay yes <laughs> gay um, is slay. Call is slay on bevco's instagram post about this film if you uh, hear this i will just comment that every every week you should <laughs> every time i repost it gay is slay Yes. Yeah. Uh, also, this week is on September sixth. On the Wednesday is the Wolf House, which is a twenty eighteen stop motion film. It's one of the two stop motion films that we're showing this semester. So that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, please be a volunteer if you would like. If you're living in yes. Bergen and are of appropriate age and well being, please come. Well being is debatable. We we don't need yeah, no. Uh yeah. I'm a cigar. Literally (laughs) signed by or um covered by Evan Peters in season four of American Horror Story. Oh yeah. Come as you are. (laughs) (laughs) Big (laughs) slay. Yeah. Oh, but thanks for being on the uh the podcast again, Carolina. This is such a special film. I'm glad that we got to be vulnerable and gay yes. and queer <laughs> on the podcast. So nice. Yeah. After all the Bendik uh, episodes, oh, we yeah. need some. Bendik need is to... on in like two weeks, so don't worry. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> we can like equal it out. Um, it's yeah. like a, a an oscillator of good and bad. Yeah, it's like super gay, slightly homophobic. That was a joke. <laughs> 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 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Well, I guess that's uh that's that. Thank you for listening. If you're still here, we have episodes out every Monday. You can follow us on Instagram at the Real Thing Pod. Um, I deleted Twitter because I don't believe it anymore. X, you mean? I do not. I'm not even going to say it. I don't believe it. So <laughs> you please follow us on Instagram. Um, yeah. Hopefully, you're going to have some reels on there. Wow, look at me oh. doing social media. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you again, Carolina. Thank you. Thanks, listener. Goodbye. Bye. This has been a Bergen Film Club production. Our music is by Wise John. Check them out on Instagram at WISE John Official. Our logo is by Pierre Sophia Brentesen. This episode was produced, mixed, and engineered by Joel Lawrence. Our researchers are Inke Schilfgeibern and Mamina Nazmajit. Want to talk to us about films? Then please send us an email at podcast at bergenfilmclub.com. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at TheRealThingPod. Check us out on Letterboxd at BFK The Real Thing. Thank you and goodbye. Listen, follow, leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts.